Happy Tuesday, Locked On Cardinals fans. It is a crossover Tuesday as the St. Louis Cardinals are getting ready to play the Miami Marlins today. So we bring in Peter of Locked On Marlins. We talk about the offseason for each one of these teams as well as what they've done to start the year. And then we go game by game to preview who is going to win this three-game set in Miami. It's a great discussion, so be sure to tune in for a good one on Locked On Cardinals today. You are Locked On Cardinals. Your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Locked On fans? It's a crossover edition of Locked On Cardinals as well as Locked On Marlins. I am Lucas Smith of Locked On Cardinals. Joining today is Peter Pratt of Locked On Marlins. How are you doing today, Peter? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. We had an off day yesterday, so the Marlins didn't lose. That was good. We didn't win either. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped for this series. This is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, excited to join you on this crossover pod too. So what about you? How are you doing? I'm well. I can't complain. Like you said, off day for the Cardinals yesterday as well. Kind of take you know a little bit of a breath and kind of get to go into this series mm. with, with some fresh legs. Bullpen should be pretty rested, I would assume, for both sides. And we do have some intriguing pitching matchups, which we'll get to. Miami definitely has some some star-studded arms, one that used to be in a Cardinal system, which we'll talk about a little bit. But I want to start with, with the offseason for both these teams because the Miami Marlins, a team that made the postseason in the expanded playoffs in 2020, fell just a little bit short of the postseason in 2021. So what were the Marlins offseason like as they try and get back into postseason play? You're very kind, by the way, in terms of uh, the Marlins' <laughs> 2021 year. They, uh, they they were just shy of, I don't know, 25 games or whatever. But yeah, I mean, the, the key bit for the Marlins, they were active pre-lockout. We were talking uh, before we hit record on this uh, that... They were real active pre-lockout. Uh, they had to address the catcher spot. It was just such a huge weakness. and Went out and got Stallings, which is, uh, I think, a, a great trade defensively. Like you said, the, there's so many arms for the fish, and just having a great defensive catcher is a massive, massive upgrade for us. So, yeah, getting Jacob Stallings, I think, was big. Um, they go and trade for Joey Wendell, too, which was, I think, a little bit of an under-radar move for the fish. He was an all-star in, in 21. Uh, on the AL side, obviously, but you know, you go and acquire an All Star. You know, that's a good thing uh, with multiple years of control. So, under the radar there for sure. That you know, he's not a big name, Joey Wendell, but he started real nice this year. And then they sign Avi Garcia, and you're like, great, there's another power bat. Then the lockout kicks in, and you assume post lockout, so much will happen for the fish. There's going to be a center fielder, Brian Reynolds is going to be acquired, or Cedric Mullins. And it went a little bit quiet. Uh, you know, Marlins Twitter was blowing up. What's happening? What's happening? Bullpen needed addressing, wasn't addressed. So all of a sudden, no center fielder, no bullpen. 2022 is going to be a write-off. But uh, in the end, Kim Ang pulled the, pulled the trigger on a couple of relievers from the Orioles. And you get uh, Soler in as well. Nice little power bat as well. So I actually think the Marlins have had a nice offseason. I, I, I do. I felt the roster felt deeper. I think that's the key bit for the fish is just more depth because... Everyone gets injuries, right? But the injuries hit last year for the fish. The the, the one to nine looked good, but the bench was weak, so weak. And obviously, with no DH, it, that really hurt last year. You know, you had to be using the bench all the time. And yeah, they just prioritized depth, defense. You know, behind the dish, the arms were ready to rock and roll. Added to the bullpen. You know, it's a it's a low budget team, right? We're not going to be out there with the splashy free agents. There's a lot of nice free agents available, but. Yeah, I I gave it a high, you know, B plus. I'd say I think maybe I was expecting that kind of like a, you know shutdown type closer maybe, but all in all, as a Marlins fan, I was happy with what what Kim Ang was able to achieve. I think this year. 
Yeah, definitely put themselves in a good position. That NL East is one of the, the tougher divisions in baseball. Um, if, if you ask me, you got at least one World Series contender, the Atlanta Braves. Uh, the, the Mets mm-hmm. are going to have some things to say about it, as well as the Phillies offense if they decide to wake up this year. So uh, then, you know, the lowly Nationals. I listen to your guys as a Division Day roundtable, and poor Josh Neighbors of Locked On Nationals <laughs> might have a rough year of it. Uh, oh, boy. But- <laughs> but the Cardinals, from their perspective in the offseason, they got the big starter that they needed in Steven Matt, signing him to a four-year, $44 million deal. And he's the big money guy at this point. Obviously, the big splash of the offseason for the Cardinals came in the middle of spring training when the machine, Albert Pujols, was re-signed to, a, or I guess signed for, for a one-year contract as this will be his final year in Major League Baseball if he's already announced that he's going to retire. So that was a big splash move in terms of that's going to drive up some ticket sales. That's going to get some storylines rolling for the team. But you mentioned depth for the Marlins. Depth was the name of the offseason for the St. Louis Cardinals. As they go out, they get they made the first move post-lockout, signing Drew Verhagen. I mean, that move almost broke Twitter with how big that move was. Uh, but then you also see them go out and get an Aaron Brooks. You see them go out and get a Nick Whitgren. Like you said, may, may, maybe not names that are going to be the big splashiest names. But we've already seen some of them pay dividends. Whitgren's had a nice start. Verhagen's been off to a little bit of a slower start out of the bullpen. But we've already seen those moves pay dividends for the St. Louis Cardinals going into the season and the Cardinals were only what five, six games in uh, they'll be starting or eight games in they're five and three to, to start a couple of rainouts mixed in there. But the off season was overall a successful one. I probably give a B to B minus range for the Cardinals in terms of their grade, right? Just because you would have liked to see maybe a left-handed bat join the team, maybe one a little bit stronger than Corey Dickerson, which was a left-handed bat. They added, maybe you'd like to see a little bit more bullpen help, but the Cardinals have been known to, to get those no-name guys and turn them in, not necessarily to household names, but turn them into to high-quality relievers. Giovanni Gagos is a guy like that. TJ McFarlane last year, Luis Garcia last year, who's now, I believe, hurt, but with the Padres. We'll see what the Cardinals are able to do with, with the depth pieces they have made. And overall, it's been a, a blistering start for the Cardinals' offense. Um, Pujols has hit a couple of monster home runs, including one in, in Milwaukee on Sunday that I'm sure blew up. Uh, it did blow up Cardinal Twitter. I'm sure it blew up the rest of MLB Twitter as well. But you know, Cardinals sit right now five and three. They split on the road against Milwaukee. Whenever you're going to a four game series on the road against a division rival, a split is 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 a pretty good scenario to come out of it, right? Cardinals won opening weekend series against Pittsburgh. A lot of good things going for the Cardinals right now, offensively and on the mound. So before we get into these next three games against the Marlins, Peter, I want your update on how the Marlins season's off to so far. Yeah, you know, it's it's tough, tough start, tough assignment for the fish going, you know, out West first two series. So a kind of multi-city road trip out West is not, it's not the easiest assignment for the fish. And, you know, on the road to the Giants, Listen, the Giants won 107 games last year. Right. You know, I think we kind of sleep on the Giants still, and they're still built the same way. A couple of guys on on the IL for them, but the pitching's still nice. I mean, I, I've never actually seen Carlos Rodon pitch before. I've never watched a game uh, start of Rodon's. He was sensational. I was completely blown away by him in, the, in game two. So listen, the Marlins they they dropped that series one and two. Um, they were. They were a cement mixer away from taking that series. Anthony Bender threw up a cement mixer in the ninth um, and, and allowed the, the Giants to, to kind of tie that one in the ninth, unfortunately. You get into extras and the Marlins blow it. But it was a, they were tough games. A lot of one-run games. That's how the Giants and Marlins really are built. Then you go into LA, mini-series, two-game series for the Fish. They dropped both of those games uh, in, in, in LA or Anaheim. And then they get home. Four-game series against the Phils. Like you said, a division rival coming to town. 
uh, you know, you want at least a split. They started one and four. You were like, great, we need at least a two and two. The offense had been stone cold. And to actually, for the offense to, to come alive and take that series 3-1 against the Phils, to out-hit the Phils, their offense. Right. <laughs> um, right. You know, happy days. Listen, the, the Phils did not look good. I got to be honest with you. Um, JT Remuto looked good, old Marlins uh, favorite, but Phils didn't look good. The Marlins played well. They pitched well, but also it wasn't, it wasn't home runs galore. But they've got two guys right now that are hot at exactly the same time. It's just Chisholm, Jesus Sanchez. And last year, we had one guy hot on his own all the time. And the rest of the, the offense was cold. This year, right now, two guys are hot. And all of a sudden, the, the offense is clicking. They're putting up four spots, five spots in innings. Um, and just kind of, you know, putting that big inning up there, which the Marlins offense did not do in 2021. So encouraging, I would say. Encouraging start. Like you said, if you, if you beat a division rival, 3-1. For me, that's a good sign. A lot of people think the Phils can contend. So keep it, though, pitch well and get the offense rolling. So a nice start, I think. You know, they're sitting one game below 500, but a tough assignment, I think, this this next series of the Cards. Listen, the Cards always play the Mar- Marlins tough. They always do. And then, then it's a three-game set against the Braves. So by the end of this week, we'll know a lot more about these Marlins, I think. That is the definition of a gauntlet for Miami to have to go through to start their season. Uh, that That is a difficult one. Yeah. It seems that the Cardinals and Marlins always play a series at Miami within the first two or three weeks of the season. It just seems like that that's just the way that the schedule rolls out. And it's, it's been pretty kind to the Cardinals in years past. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to get into going game by game here in a little bit. But when the Cardinals, authentically speaking, Nolan Arenado has been ungodly hot to start this year. Player of the week, the first week. I already mentioned Albert Pujols, who's only going to be playing against, against lefties. He is going to get the start uh, tonight with, with lefty on the mound for, for the Marlins. Lineup just came out as, as we're recording right now. So a little bit of breaking news while we record is Pujols will be batting fifth for the Cardinals. Uh, but, but the offense, I think, is a lot deeper than what the what baseball gives them credit for. Uh, you've got Goldschmidt and Carlson that are struggling at the top right now. Goldschmidt always seems to struggle in the month of April. <laughs> Just, you know, death taxes and Paul Goldschmidt struggling in April seem to be the three things that you can count on. Uh, but outside of that, seeing some really good things from even Tommy Edmond uh, in that six, eight, seven, eight hole, depending on where he's hitting. But I'm really excited. You know, five and three, you, 100 and what 60 or 150 games left thereabouts 52 games left so a lot of baseball left to be played but some encouraging things for the st louis cardinals to start their season and from the cardinals perspective hopefully they that continues this weekend as they play the miami marlins so we're going to go ahead and get into game by game break down this series um as we have as we talked about some intriguing pitching matchups this series in Miami. But before we do that, I do want to tell the listeners about betonline.net. It is your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports info. You can find the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs, which are well underway, as well as the start of the best sport in the world, Major League Baseball season is well underway as well. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sport wagering information, whether it's live betting, playoffs, esports, and much, much more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline is where the game starts. First pitch coming your way at 5.40 tonight from Lone Depot Park in Miami as it'll be Adam Wainwright versus Jesus Lazardo for the Miami Marlins. The Cardinals lineup has already come out. It'll be Carlson, Goldschmidt, O'Neal, Arnado, Pujols, Edmund, DeYoung, Molina, and Bader. Pretty typical starting nine. As of right now, I've not seen the Miami Marlins lineup posted. But before we get to the lineup, we've talked about pitching a lot already. Peter, what can you tell me about Lazardo, the lefty who has a 
1.8 ERA to start the season for the Fish. Boy, oh boy, what a first appearance from Jesus Lozado. Listen, you know, how the Marlins got Jesus Lozado firstly. Let's go back to the deadline last year, traded with the A's uh, for effectively two months of Starling Marte. Uh, I, at the time, I thought, what a deal on paper. It looked a great deal for the Fish, no doubt. Um, for someone that highly touted as an arm, with so much control for two months of Marte, it felt it felt like a nice deal. He came in, he struggled, he struggled in twenty twenty one. Actually, you know, he just the the command wasn't there. Really struggled with command, and but actually finished strong. Last couple of starts, he, he got the glasses on too. That was another big moment for Lazardo. He's got the the specs out there. He can see. He can see. He <laughs> can see the signs, um, and he can see the signs exactly. So um, you know, he finished strong, finished strong, and then coming coming into spring. Uh, Miguel Rojas actually was setting up, you know, within the lockout, they had, um, you know, no, no kind of arranged team activities. So Miguel Rojas took it on himself and went, hey, I'm going to arrange some team activities for the guys. So Miggy Rojas had his camp and they were all playing. There was various other players from other teams too, uh, I guess, in the Florida area. But coming out of that, some of the guys were asked, who's impressed you most so far? A lot of people saying Jesus Lozado. So he's getting a bit of buzz. Comes into spring, pitches real well in spring too. And so you're thinking, is this the turning point for Lozado? Have the Marlins done it again? Have they turned another pitching prospect into a gem? We may talk about one of them as well a bit later on in this show, but he came out in 12 Ks and five innings in his first start against the Angels. It was, you know, it was an absolutely stunning performance. The curveball was just insane. And the command was there. This is the point. Stuff's there. Command was there. So lefty, that young. I mean, sky's the limit for Jesus Lazardo. It truly is. And it, it was funny the day after, I think Kershaw came out and, uh, you know, had his, what, six or seven innings, 13 yeah. Ks. So kind of Kershaw came out and put his state back in the ground and said, no, 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 I'm still the daddy around here. But <laughs> yeah, it was certainly nice to see for Lazardo. And, you know, that's, that's the Marlins' fifth starter by numbers anyway. Um, Jesus Lazardo. That just kind of nods to the depth that is there for the, for the Marlins. Now everyone's healthy for sure. So it should be a fun one, I think. And I think from the flip side for the cards, it's definitely not a young stud, I think, on the mound. It is a stud, but <laughs> yeah. I guess the age difference between them must be, I don't know, 15 to 17 years or something. Adam Wainwright getting the ball tonight. Absolutely. It's a 40-year-old versus 24-year-old. 16 years as Adam Wainwright, 40, and Lozano being the 24-year-old. Uh, you're not going to see many flames coming out of the, the arm of Adam Wainwright tonight. You are going to see plenty of curveballs coming from Wainwright. That old 12-6 to 6 hook that he has... He's famous for. There's no question about that. Wainwright has been just dominant um, in, in the last couple of years, revitalized his career. He, he was never a big, you know, I'm going to throw 97, 98 mile an hour guy. He, he could hit 95 in, in his heyday, right? But now that he's only hit 90, you know, if, if we see 93 from him tonight, that, that, that's a that's a flamethrower from him, from his perspective, right? So I think that Wainwright, the, the big key for him is going to be control. And it's almost more of a control of, uh, more of a key for him because of the lack of stuff. And I don't mean that in any disrespectful manner, but we saw it in his last start in Milwaukee. His stuff was, was you know, it wasn't flat. It wasn't bad. It was just the locations were just terrible. Gave up a couple of uh, cutters right down the middle that the Brewers took advantage of. He gave up uh, four two-out runs. So four runs scored with two outs against Wainwright. That's one thing that he talked about. So if he is able to live on the edges of the plate, he's going to be successful. He, I believe there's a stat somewhere that I... I going off my memory here that he led the league with strikeouts on the edges last year because Lazardo, if, if he throws a fastball down the middle 
he might get away with it because because of, of the the heat, right? If Wainwright throws an 80, 89, 90 mile an hour fastball down the middle and to Jorge Soler, we might not see that for a while, right? Uh, but Wainwright's his key is going to be keeping the ball in the corners keeping the ball on the edges. If he's able to do that, then we've seen it. He's been very good. Even in his age 39 season last year, he earned Cy Young votes and he very well should have. He was top three in the league. In, <clears throat> excuse me. Top three in the league in innings pitched. He won, uh, what was it? 16 games last year, I believe it was. Uh, 17 games. Be- beg your pardon. He won 17 games last year. 3.05. That was his lowest ERA in a full season since 2014. He had ERAs, and an area lower than in 2015, but he was hurt. So last year was his best year ERA-wise in a long time when he was fully healthy and on it. So he was the Cardinals' opening day starter. Adam Wainwright, 40 years old, opening day starter. You don't see that very often going around at the major league level. So I'm, I'm very intrigued to see it. I, we, we, we got gypped of a Wainwright versus Greinke last weekend, uh, last week against Royals. That would have been quite the storyline with, with some rain moved, moved its way into the area. But yeah, Wainwright against the Marlins, I think should, should be a fun one. He'll be throwing to Yadier Molina. I believe it's going to be their 306th or 370th time starting as battery mates. So f- from the pitching perspective, I think the Cardinals are lining up well with, with Wainwright getting the ball tonight against the Miami Marlins offense, who, as you mentioned, had a pretty good uh, series against the Philadelphia Phillies. So we'll go ahead and move on to, to game number two now. As um, no no starter announced yet for the Cardinals because th- there was some rain, the days off, but we are seeing a, a former Cardinal uh, t- take the mound. Um, and it, it's a pretty exciting one. Came over, I believe, in the Marcelo Zuna trade, if I'm remembering that correctly. What, what, what can you tell us about Sammy Alcantara? Oh boy, oh boy. This, I mean, Sandy is just—he's taken his his game to another level year on year on year. He is. He's the ace of the staff. That's what I can tell you. And he has started like that too. The Marlins have, uh, have extended him too uh, through the offseason. So he signed, uh, they bought out effectively all of his arbitration, uh, a couple of team options at the back end of that too. So listen, the Marlins have committed to Sandy Alcantara. You know, he's the ace of the staff. He feels like he's been around for years. He has been. He's only 26. He's so young still, Sandy. He's an absolute stud. Ground ball machine. Listen, he's got the stuff. But he, I think what excites him more than striking out, dude, just getting ground balls. He loves it. He loves a ground ball, Sandy. His, his, actually, his ground ball rate's been a little bit down this year, I believe. So um, I don't know. It's only two starts, obviously. But you know, for the Marlins, he is, he's the workhorse. Going over 200, mm-hmm. 200 in his last season, 200 Ks as well. You know, Sandy's just looking to, I guess, to, to take it to another level. I actually think last year was funny because uh, Trevor Rogers was voted the All-Star. Uh, for the Marlins, rightly so. Trevor Rogers had a stunning year as well. Mm-hmm. But then after the All-Star break, Sandy Alcantara just kind of turned on the Jets again. And he just, he gave a little nod to Trevor, I think, to say, no, 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 I'm still, I'm still the main dude in this, uh, in this rotation. So excited to see what Sandy can do. Obviously, yeah, it was a, <laughs> looking back on that trade, the Ozuna trade and uh, what the Marlins get back out of that, you know, getting obviously uh, Alcantara, is a big win for the fish. Obviously, Ozuna didn't stick around too long in mm-hmm. in St. Louis, but yeah, interesting to see how they uh, how they go. He started well as well, Sandy. Uh, his first two starts, so yeah, excited to see. There'll be a lot of ground balls, a lot of velocity, um, and the the main thing looking back to twenty twenty one, there was it was just a running joke. The offense when Sandy was on the mound was stone cold. <laughs> the run support was just terrible. It was like under three runs. Wow. Per start or something, it was just it was just a joke, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, we're we're hoping that the offense can actually click uh, for Sandy this year. So 
yeah, should be an interesting matchup. Well, how are you seeing the cards shaping up? Because I'd seen reports maybe that Jordan Hicks was potentially lo- looking to kind of switch into a starting role. But I mm-hmm. guess if Wainwright's going in game one, maybe you'll you'll kind of line up how you have done already. I don't know. How are you seeing it for game two? Yeah, it'll be it'll be a little bit different because the plan was for Jordan Hicks to, to get a relief appearance in either Friday or Saturday um, of the Milwaukee Brewers series to, to keep him on schedule. That was their that's their goal right now is to keep him on on a more on a schedule and not rush him in and out or you know five days. But he didn't pitch till Sunday, so he will not be starting on Wednesday. That that is that is for sure. Um, I, mm. I would be surprised if it's not Miles Michaelis on Wednesday and then Stephen Matz on Thursday. Uh, Michaelis started. Last started on Friday, Matt's on Saturday, so that would be the regular five, and then you're able to maybe get Hicks a relief appearance in there, get him maybe stretched out for your four innings. Maybe he's your long man after one of those starters. But I think it's going to be – either way, Miles Michaelis and Steven Matz are coming off two just phenomenal starts, both of them. Michaelis, um, six and two-thirds of an inning uh, against Milwaukee, and Matt's five and two-thirds of scoreless baseball at one point retiring. I believe it was 11 straight before the, the last bait hit base hits he surrendered. And I know the Brewers aren't a Braves or a Dodgers type offense, right? But the Brewers are still division favorites for a reason, and they have some thump in that lineup, right? So I think that that was a promising start for both of them. And if they both get the ball to going up against Miami, we'll, we'll see what they can do because it's all about consistency, right? especially this early in the season, it's really easy to get way down after somebody gives up nine runs in three innings, just like Steven Matz did in his first start. And it's easy to get really high and excited after Steven Matz or Miles Michaelis go out and do what they did over the weekend in Milwaukee. So we'll see how it goes. I would imagine, though, yes, it is going to be Michaelis and Matz to, to start after Wainwright does tonight. There's a lot of a lot of nice arms matching up. I think the way that the rotations are shaping up this is going to be pitching heavy, really pitching heavy, and could be maybe a bit similar to how the Marlins started in in San Fran with uh, one-run games galore, and it's going to come down to the leverage pens or a big hit in a certain spot. So really excited to see the Marlins, you know, Pablo Lopez. We'll get into game three shortly, I think, and and, and talk talk about those starters. But yeah, just a reminder, this episode is also uh, brought to you by Rock Auto. And with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure the often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter does the orders of the parts on their computer, choose nearly the brand their warehouse happens to carry. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. It's a family business, serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Prices are reliably low for every customer. Go and explore their easy-to-use website today and find the solution to your auto parts needs. Get yourselves over to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need that is rockauto.com Lucas, how are we shaping up in Game 3 then? Um, for the Marlins, it's looking like Pablo Lopez, who's actually just got married uh, a few days ago as well. So uh, <laughs> you know, it, it should be Pablo. Maybe right? <laughs> you know, they, the Marlins may send him on his honeymoon. Maybe they're sending him. I, I don't know. So we'll wait and see on that. But I believe Pablo Lopez should be going, which, mm-hmm. uh, again, has had a nice start for, for the fish this year. But you think it may be Matt's for, for the cards? Yeah, I do. And you, you, you mentioned Alcantara's ground ball, right? And that, that's his MO, right? It, it's the same thing for Steven mm-hmm. Matz. I mean, that, that that is why he was such a good fit for St. Louis whenever they signed him. I didn't really see too many people up in arms at, 
or saying, ooh, that's a bad signing. That's a bad contract. You know, they were saying it needs to be more audio. Yad- yes, there's more to that than just being a good signing, right? But Steven Matt's ground ball rate has been exceptional the last number of years, especially in his career revitalization year. Last year with the Toronto Blue Jays, a big part of why he got paid the way he did by the Cardinals this offseason. So if he's able to keep the ball on the ground, he's going to be successful, especially with the Cardinal defense. It is the best defense in baseball. There's little to no question. I'm sure Brett and Eric of Locked on Astros might argue with me over there because they won the team gold glove last year in the AL. But this infield defense is remarkable. You've got Nolan Arenado at third base. There's no debating that, that he's a top three third baseman in the league, defensively speaking, especially so, right? You've got Paul DeYoung that is just a vacuum over there, going to make his mistakes. He made a couple mistakes on Sunday, so he was probably the weakest link on the infield. You've got Tommy Edmond who took over for Colton Wong last year and beat Colton Wong out for the gold glove. And then you've got Paul Goldschmidt. He's also a gold glove award winner. You move on to the outfield, O'Neill and Bader and left and center, some more gold out there, and Dylan Carlson will have a gold glove in his future. This is the best defensive team in baseball. So if Mats is able to keep the ball on the ground, and Michaelis as well, and anybody, but with Mats and his specialty being ground balls, keeping the ball on the ground is key, especially if you need an inning-inning double play. Nolan Arenado is so good that he turned a double play practically as a shortstop on uh, Saturday's game based on the, the shift and the, the weird positioning that he was at. So ground balls are going to be the key for, for Matt if and when he does start on uh, on Thursday. And if he is able to do that, he's going to be successful. What does Pablo Lopez need to do to be successful for the fish on Wednesday? Or Thursday, excuse me. Pablo is just... The changeup is just sensational. And the stuff is... Maybe the best of the staff. I think that's. I mean, it's tough to really kind of. Wow. You're splitting hairs because there's a you know there's a lot of really nice arms there, and there's some sat in AAA waiting to come up too. Um, this is the beauty, but I think Pablo, if if his changeup is on, then the strikeouts will be there for sure. So that's going to be it for Pablo. Um, he he had a bit of a rough spring to be honest, and so we were all a little bit oh okay, what's what's Pablo going to look like, but. He's come out looking like vintage Pablo Lopez. Um, like I said, he's just got married. So, you know, I guess he's maybe looking for a bit of, you know, maybe goes off on his honeymoon with a big W maybe. Right. Nice to see. But I think I think if you if you see the change up on for Pablo, then you know it's game on for him for sure. So, yeah, it's uh, it's another nice arm and uh, should be, all being well, should be, uh, you know, another nice matchup there, I think, with Mats. Um, what do you see from, from the offensive side, just yeah. from the Cardinals side? Who who should we be fearful of or looking out for? Who's the kind of player to watch, in your opinion, for this series? I know Arenado started hot, but is there, mm-hmm. is there anyone else you've kind of got your eye on early doors? Well, for tonight, it's, it's Albert Pujols. He'll be getting the start, as I mentioned, against the lefty. Um, any home run he hits from a Cardinals fan perspective is something to, to cherish and a memory to hold on to, right, with mm-hmm. this being his final year and all the storylines that that holds. But Tonight, definitely Albert Pujols going forward uh, with him facing off against a lefty. Great numbers against left-handed pitching the last two seasons. Uh, but but other than that, Tyler O'Neill is starting to get hot a little bit. Um, Tommy Yedman maybe a little bit. But I, I'm really looking, maybe not necessarily somebody else that is hot like Arenado, but I'm looking to see what Dylan Carlson and Paul Goldschmidt can do at the top of the lineup. Because they've struggled in the last 
last week or so now, right? As we start to get to the point where it's not just a bad game, it, it's okay. They're they're in a slump, right? Um, so I'm looking for those two to to, to kind of kick it into high gear, and it's not going to be easy. We've talked about the glorious pitching that the Marlins have lined up for the Cardinals in this series, so it's not going to be easy. I recognize that, but I'm looking more for for those two to get out of their really bad slumps more than I am for looking anybody else to continue. Because Nolan Arenado is not going to continue to hit 430, and Albert Pujols is not going to hit a home run every other game he plays. Just not going to happen, right? I'm looking more for Dylan Carlson and Paul Goldsmith to bust out of their slumps offensively. And like like I've already said, not going to be easy. But before we wrap up here, Peter, who do you look at uh, from the Marlins side offensively? Anybody that needs to bust out, anybody that needs to continue staying hot? You've mentioned a couple of names already. Who are some names you've got circled on your lineup card? Yeah, I've already mentioned the the guys that have started hot, Jazz Chisholm and, and Jesus Sanchez. I mean, the, the story around Jesus Sanchez, you know, he's playing center field. He's never really played center field before. Like I said earlier, the Marlins, they couldn't get a deal done to get a center fielder in, so they've shunted Jesus in. I'm not going to lie, we're a little bit nervous about the glove. Uh, he had a nice second half last year as, you know, given a full run uh, after the deadline. The bat looks nice. The power the power is there. Strikeouts have been down. The walks, you know, still relatively low, but... The power is there and the strikeouts are down and the glove is holding up in center field. And he plays with a smile on his face. He plays with a youthful exuberance. That's how I describe it. He's a fun guy. And Jazz Chisholm is then another tier above that in terms of exuberance, swag, however you want to phrase it. He's quickly ascended to one of the major premier, um, I guess, Major League Baseball players right now in terms of the amount of pomp and hype that he's getting from not just the Marlins, but... MLB and fans, and they like it. They like the fun he's having. And it isn't just that. He's been an absolute monster to start the season for Jazz. He has been, he's been electric. There's been a few little moments because he's sat against both lefty starters um, thus far. And as Marlins fans, we found it difficult to accept because when you have your best player sitting, you always find that it, it's always tough, right? You don't want to mm-hmm. sit your studs. And Jazz has been a stud this year. He's come out hot, but... The Marlins are managing him. But the interesting bit, Avi Garcia and Jorge Soler both had their first home runs for the Marlins in the recent homestand, as did Garrett Cooper, first one of the year. So the power bats, the more traditional power bats, are starting to come alive, let's say. But for me, it's been the Jazz Chisholm, Jesus Sanchez show uh, thus far. So, And Joey Wendell, got to call it out, already mentioned him. Yeah, I may have mentioned everyone, it sounds like. But <laughs> <laughs> Joey Wendell is he's just hitting. He's yeah. hitting. He's playing all across the diamonds. Like he's just a really underrated, you know, utility dude. And uh, yeah, I'm really, you know, really excited about this lineup. It's just there's just more depth, like I said. But I'm all in on Jazz. I'm all in on Jesus Sanchez. If these boys can keep it rolling, and the two boys stay alive, and then just the other guys chipping around them, you know, there's going to be some games to be won. I think for the fish here. Definitely going to be an intriguing series. You've got pitching, you've got offense, you've got the Cardinals, you've got the Marlins. Going to be fun, getting started tonight. Peter, before we leave, why don't you tell my listeners where they can find you on social media as well as any of your work? Absolutely. Uh, follow me. Mainly, I'm, I'm a Twitter guy, so get me on Miami Marlins underscore UK. Don't forget the underscore. Um, so that's the main the main hub. And of course, Locked on Marlins. If you like your Marlins stuff, if you want to be tuned into what's happening with Sandy Alcantara and his career, you know where to come. Locked on Marlins. So... Yeah, same same question to you though, Lucas, because there'll be some of my uh, my listeners tuned in as well. So where can they where can they get their Cardinals love from? 
Absolutely. At LJ Fastball is the Twitter handle. Uh, show is also on Twitter and Instagram at LO underscore Cardinals. So again, don't forget that underscore in there. Uh, but you can also find Lock on Cardinals wherever you get your podcast as well as free every day on YouTube. So Peter, this has been fun. Going to be a fun series. Um, hopefully um, Cardinals take two out of three. I'm sure you're thinking the other way around. But regardless, going to be fun. And like, like I said, I'm just glad that we have baseball back. We can talk about baseball and not hypothetical. So until Peter and I talk to you guys the next time, be sure to stay safe, stay well, and have a fantastic rest of your day.